car men too busy watching their kids to think about the Watcher, or to remember that his real name is Uatu, and that he first appeared in Tales of Suspense number 53. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost, two men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. Welcome, everybody. We're taking a little departure today. We've been talking about comics and the way we grew up reading comics. But today, uh, I wanted to talk about an artist who I think is just underappreciated and uh, tell a story about how I found out about him. He's named Joe Manili. And uh, he is dead now. He was a really great comic book artist in the 40s and 50s. Mm. And um, he was Stan Lee's favorite. That's uh, saying a lot. Yeah, it, Stan likes to say that he was, uh, he liked him at least as well as Jack Kirby, that he was fast and he was very talented. I think it's funny that we forget that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, or I often think like, oh, they first started like 1961 yeah. or whatever with Fantastic Four, but they have a whole lifetime together. Oh, by yeah, then. they'd known each other so well even before that. Yeah. Right, 20 years. And I, I hope that in uh, an episode to come, we're actually going to talk to uh, Crystal Skillman, who is a, uh, a playwright and director who uh, is in, wrote a play, a really great play, about Jack Kirby. And I hope she's going to come wait for that. and talk I with us about, about Jack. fantastic. But talking about Joe Manili, I'm just going to tell the story of how I found out about him. In about 2001, I was working... Uh, in the Flatiron area in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> my office was on 26th and Park. And I got a call from a, an, a co-worker of mine, good friend of mine, Christine Beardsell. She called me at lunchtime and she said, uh, you got to come up to 29th she Street. She knew you were a comic she, book fan. She knew I was a comic book fan. I had a big Hellboy... Uh, panel blown up on my wall and I, <laughs> right yeah okay. i mean i didn't make you made it, it obvious yeah i didn't make it a secret that i loved comic books uh but <clears throat> she said you got to come up here to 29th street right away and i was like what is it and she goes you just come up so would you actually just go somewhere if someone emphatically said you got to come here yes okay yeah <laughs> that's just part of your personality <laughs> okay so i ran up to 29th street between park and lexington on 29th Street, Marvel Comics had some offices, mm -hmm. and they were moving from those offices into a new space. I think it was the, the space at 40th Street and 5th Avenue, which I think is where most of Marvel Comics is right now. Yeah, I think so. In front of the old building on 29th Street, they had an enormous industrial-sized dumpster full of junk to try to you know stuff that they were throwing out i just got to stop you there like it, it's how gonna, can this be possible it just makes your heart break in 2001 this is not 1946 when people don't even know what comic books are gonna be in the future no it was the comic books are already gigantic business it was shocking it was shocking to to us walking by and they had a little 
crowd gathered, you know, mm-hmm. people who would come by and were sort of climbing up on the dumpster and looking in and a couple people. And finally, I just jumped up and like just went jumped in. into the dumpster. And I was like, what is what is going on here? Wow. Most of the stuff was junk. It was just like office stuff that you would throw away, file folders and cabinets. But then mixed in with that would be um, the wooden figures of uh, the human form that artists use to right, sort of right. position and, sure. and help them draw and things like that. So there'd be all these different things that y- you felt like were part of some Marvel bullpen life. But most incredible of all, there was a stack of 11 by 17 or bigger, bigger probably, uh, manila envelopes. And each of these manila envelopes weighed a couple of pounds, and it was packed with heavy cardstock, original artwork. It's unbelievable. And there was a stack of these sitting on the sidewalk next to the dumpster. It's unbelievable. Maybe there were a dozen of them. Right. And somebody had taken them out of the dumpster and put them over there and there were more in the dumpster and I jumped in the dumpster I found a couple others I pulled them out and I got down to this street again and a homeless guy it looked like a homeless guy to me had, was picking up the stack and walking away with it right and I said hey that's mine and he said no it's not and I got three of the envelopes three of these large oversized manila envelopes I said, I'll give you $20 for them. And he said, nope. And he walked away. Oh, wow. And I never saw him again. So he took, as far as I can remember, he took about seven of those large envelopes. And we don't know what was in them. No idea. I never got a chance to open those envelopes. I have no idea what was in them. Wow. But I opened the three that I did find, and it it blew my mind what was in there. Original art. Original black and white uh, art by Joe Manili. Once I did some research, it was just all his stuff. It was all his stuff. Wow! And they were organized, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's Two Gun Kid issue 43 and 44. Wow! One envelope was one of the stories from 43, maybe two of the stories from 43, and the other envelope was couple of the stories from issue 44 and then the third envelope was actually some odds and ends a birthday card that john ramita had drawn for somebody really and do you still have that uh i might have that somewhere but i started looking at these pages and i realized that they were stories two gun kid stories written by stan lee and uh, drawn by Joe Manili. Beautiful um, from the 50s. drawings. All from 1958 when I did wow. some research. That's and unbelievable. So I started doing research and trying to find out what these things were worth. Right. And the odd thing was I couldn't find any Joe Manili art to sort of hold it up against to see what it was worth. Right. So I went to uh, a friend of mine named Roger who runs a really wonderful comic book store uh, it used to be on 14th Street in uh, Manhattan and now it's down on 6th Avenue and uh, 9th Street uh, it was called Roger's Time Machine at the time Roger's a great guy 
And uh, I had a relationship with him. I always, you know, traded in comics and bought comics from him. And so I brought him these things and I said, what do you think it's worth? What would you give me for these? And he said, I could quote you a price for these, for these pages right now. But you should, he, he was, he was a mensch. Right. He said, I could quote you a price, but you should not take it. Because whatever I quote you, I will be ripping you off. Wow. Because nobody knows how much this art is worth. Actually, before he had this conversation with me, he said, give me a couple days to look into it. And he did his own research. And when I came back, he said, nobody knows what this stuff is worth. Don't let me buy this stuff from you. And he said, what I advise you to do is take one page, put it up on eBay, and put a dollar amount on it that you think you'll never get. And then see what happens. See what right. their appetite is for it. So I put a page up, and I put, I think, $600 on it. And within a day, it yeah. was over $2,000. It seemed, Yeah, it seems like that's a small number for original yeah. art. And there was a bidding war for this. There were a couple of people who wanted to buy it, and I wound up selling it for $3,000. Wow. This thing that I had found in the in the trash. And so I thought, well, I'm going to be a millionaire because I've, <laughs> I've got two big envelopes of this stuff. Right. It was a tragedy, too, that Marvel didn't appreciate what they were throwing away. That somebody, you know, because you'd think, oh, it's just an aberration. Oh, they accidentally threw out this one envelope. But no, they were throwing out all kinds of stuff they must have just gone through and said well whatever is in this drawer we don't care about it anymore and they right. threw out m- way too much well it kind of, of reminds me of like a little while back i contacted paul galacy artist for yeah of all of many things but master, master of, of kung, kung fu. fu the classic issues in the 70s and i was like hey does any of that original artwork where can i get some of that and he goes hell if i know it's like, oh, yeah, we would just take the artwork and sell it so we could buy beer. You know, I mean, like, that shocked the hell out of me because that's, like, pretty beautiful artwork. <laughs> well, once I sold this first piece, I tried to sell more work on eBay. And uh, my friend Christine also sold some stuff because she had gotten her own envelope, at least one envelope, oh, wow. of this same artwork. So she, she had it, too. And then, pretty quickly, it turned out that there was one bidder on eBay who wanted it more than anybody else, who wanted all of this Manili stuff. Right. And he contacted me directly, and he called himself Doc V. Ooh, Doc V. Was he related to, like, Dr... Not Dr. Doom. He was Victor not related to Doom. Didn't seem to be. <laughs> Incredibly, Doc V wanted to buy all of the Manili work right. that we had. And he that's was a what huge he, fan. A he, huge fan. Wow. And he was also in Manhattan. And we arranged to meet him at his office. And so we went up at to his, his office. office. Was he a doctor or a dentist? He's a dentist. I'm sure he still is a dentist. And we came and we had the 
work, uh, the the Manili work, and he showed us his Manili collection, and he has these oversized uh, showcase books, and you flip through, and what he's done is he's taken covers and pages that Manili did, as many as he can find, and he's blown them up and done these beautiful prints of each one, and you can look through oh, wow. these large book, large you know, sort of larger than coffee table books of all this Manili art. And was he into other stuff too, or is he just was really a, into Manili? That and was his guy. Joe Manili was an artist who really came up through the ranks of you know Atlas Comics and Marvel Comics. He could draw anything, right. but his specialty turned out to be uh, war comics, romance. And Western. That's what was selling in the 50s. In the 50s, yeah. And so that's what Doc V had. And we agreed to sell the rest of the stuff that we'd found uh, to Doc V. Not all of it. I kept a piece for myself that's framed and it hangs up. It's hanging in my house right now. It's, it's beautiful. Great. And uh, Christine kept a piece. Just that, pencils I think. or inked? Pencils and inked, but inked by Manili. Like, and right. the inking wow. is is really nice. Like, he does really interesting things with it. And um, I found out from Doc V, who's obsessed with Manili. I found out that uh, Manili's daughter lives in New Jersey, and did not own any of her father's original artwork. Wow. And so I sent her three pieces, three of these pages. Wow. Uh, I just wrote her a letter and I sent her three of these. Sold the rest to Doc V. I was selling him the only original art that he had. Right. Of Manili. All he had were these prints. Right. And so it was really the jewel of his collection. Sure. Um, and then I looked up a little bit about who Joe Manili was. And the story of Joe himself was kind of sad because he was Stanley's favorite artist. He was working, he was a hardworking comic book artist, but he wasn't making ends meet. And he had three kids and a wife and he lived out on Long Island. And from what I understand, he had, you know, he had a you know, bit of a troubled life. Wow. And he... Uh, fell between the cars of the Long Island Railroad in June of 1958. And wow. the comic books that I had, that I'd found, the pages that he'd penciled and inked, were from the spring of that same year. So some just, of his last stuff. Some of his very last stuff. Wow, that's just so crazy. And... The sad thing for him is that if he had hung on for two or three more years, right. he would have been in Clover because right. superheroes were going to take off and he would have been working with Stan and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko to create all of the major right. comic book heroes and he would have maybe been able to, to make ends meet and to pay the bills... But he, you know, it just... I'm curious know. how much those guys made, too, even the stars in Marvel at the beginning. Because they had to do a hell of a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> they had to turn out so much stuff so fast. Yeah. 
It's amazing. I yeah. don't know how they did it. That piece of original art that uh, is hanging on my wall, that Joe Manili art, is is beautiful. And I'll try to put it up with this podcast so people yeah, can look at great. it. Yeah, that would be great. Like, just the way he does inking and sort of draws your eye to different parts of the panel and different parts of the page and guides your eye around the page, he's, he's a real, you know... Yeah, maybe He's we could really find like a cover, a cover, a fully realized cover or two and post it too. Yeah. So that's my Joe Manili story. That's a great story. I, I'm, that's nice that he gave his kid some of the art. I'm sure she was pretty appreciative. Did she ever answer you back? Uh, I think she did. I think yeah. she might have written me a letter back. Yeah. But anyway, that's a great story. So thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Adam Bernstein. I'm Doug Boss. Thanks for listening. All right. Grown ass man.